Good afternoon, friends. Traders Limit Up Podcast is back. I'm Dan Hodgman, uh, sitting down with Jack Peltzer. Jack, how are you? I'm doing fine. I think nice that's where I'll back. leave it. It is nice <laughs> to be back. You know, we were uh, out of town and then had a little uh, company retreat, and it's good to be back here. I wish it could be under better circumstances, honestly. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you you say that and we can just look right at these markets right now. You got the Fed coming out yesterday, raising interest rates by 75 basis points. That's three quarters of a percent. Biggest move since 1994. Um, and they're trying to assure us and tell us everything's okay economically. But when you do these huge price uh, rate hikes for the first time in 28 years, people get concerned. And you're seeing that here today in these equity markets. I sat down this morning and we have risk alerts that I get. I get and four o'clock this morning is when we're starting to hit big percent moves down to the downside in the equity markets. Um, and that really hasn't slowed up here today. You got crude oil continuing to make moves. You saw the gap open on the uh, gap lower on the open last night. This is just one of those reasons why uh, holding a position in the overnight session is a little bit tough. You want to get flat uh, prior to those markets closing because when they open up back at five o'clock, what you saw yesterday was crude oil uh, closed out yesterday before uh, before the close or at the close there, right around $116 a barrel. Let's say you were holding along. You saw a little dip in the end of the day. You're like, here's a chance to buy it. This is crude oil. It's been moving higher. Hard to short the crude oil. Well, once it opened up, it opened up $2 lower. That's 200 bucks, or excuse me, $2,000 a contract if you held that position. Just one of those many reasons why to make sure you're getting flat on those clothes during these volatile times. Um, they're going to make it hard for people to short anything. Um, you know, I was looking at the equity indices yesterday and I was shocked when I woke up this morning and saw the prints there because it kept on squeezing after hours. They were still up quite a bit as well. Um, I think we're in this dynamic right now with the equity indices, which are what I look at mostly where we're in this controlled demolition down, down, down. But then there's a day squeeze every time to get everyone. Nothing's going to be easy for you, right? If you're trying to hold long-term positions here, goes down, squeezes up, resumes. Jack, Tough you're stuff. the economist here. Let's talk about this a little bit, talking about these upticks. So I mentioned it just a minute ago. They're trying to assure us things are okay, but they're raising by 75 basis points. <clears throat> Obviously they want to curb inflation. Um, they want to kind of get this dollar a little bit stronger, when you have inflation uh, continuing to rise the way it has been, they got to do some sort of intervention. Now, as you look at this from an economic standpoint, when you raise 75 basis points, in theory, what do you want to see with these equity markets? Um, and then we'll dive into the bonds because we're going to talk a lot about bonds. Talk about today. bonds today. Right now, I don't think they're looking at anything in the stock market in particular, right? This is all precipitated from the CPI number on Friday was honestly a shocker, right? The way things have been going, it had been kind of petering out up there. We got another hot number. And so I think they felt they had to do something more than the 50 basis points, whether that was doing more tightening or 50 basis points with a stern talking. All the board members, except one, went with the 75. So it was a pretty unanimous decision. I, I think in the short term, they're not concerned as much with the stock market as with the inflation numbers, because even though this has been a huge sell-off, right? We're in bear market, the NASDAQ down, what, 34% right now, 35? Mm -hmm. It's been a pr pretty controlled way down. Usually one of the big uh, checklists for a bottom is you need to blow off 
bottom. We're used to saying blow off top, but, and what that would look like is the VIX spiking huge, right? Usually these don't, things don't end until you get the VIX in the 50s, something like that. And on this whole way down, it's just been hanging around around 30, 35, maybe at the highest. I'm just taking those numbers off the top of my head. So there's not exactly chaos in the markets right now. So I think they're more worried about sending a message. So much of inflation is expectations of future inflation that they're just trying to jawbone it, do whatever they can to stop it. I think you're spot on. I mean, you, you see the reason why we saw the uptick in the equities yesterday strictly because, hey, uh, interest, interest rates are up. Let's see if we can uh, you know, get a short squeeze here, get into something, find some opportunity. Uh, but we're going to continue, I think, this downtrend. And I got to say something here as we talk about inflation. Um, I recently sold my house. I am in the process of moving. Um, and I can tell you, I bought this house a little over three years ago. Um, and I can see massive change in the real estate market I'm going through right now from <clears throat> what I bought it for versus what I sold it for. And then this mentality of going out now trying to get that next house. It's quite an interesting scenario I'm in because, yeah, I got I did pretty well on this house, but I'm going to have to pay up for the next one. And then they got interest rates going up. And it's this interesting dynamic of extreme costs everywhere you look. And it's not like up 10 percent or up 12 percent. When you got inflation's up 8.6%, real estate's skyrocketing, you have oil skyrocketing, two of the main things that we deal with on a daily basis that have people a little bit concerned. And when you're, your everyday costs, and I think most Americans out there, their main costs in their life, um, travel, mm -hmm. i.e. getting to and from work, going to the grocery store, and then their homes. If those values are increasing, you've got to find money somewhere to help offset that because uh, income is up little over two and a half percent year over year, but you've got inflation up. So people are starting to pull some money. They got to figure out where's this money to help offset my costs right now with the cost of everything being up. I don't think it's going to last. I don't, I don't think we can sustain uh, <laughs> the cost of living we're seeing yeah. right now. I do think it's going to come back, but when? Well, we're going to face a rent crisis. Let me put it this way. This isn't like 2008, right? Where we were giving away these huge loans to people who just said their salary was 500 grand a year or whatever. The loans are actually quite good. It's unclear whether we're going to see the actual cost of buying a house go down. I'm talking about like the actual sticker price on a house. What is certain is that the number of sales are going to get crushed. I would not want to be, we just saw a Redfin lay off a bunch of people. I wouldn't want to be in the real estate sales business like that. And I'll tell you why. It's because everyone in the world refinanced at lower rates. So kind of the thing you're in now, it's, you know, I've seen examples out there is if you, if you sold a house for $800,000 and you're like, wow, what a great deal I got on that. Well, now you're going to get a, a house that costs two thirds as much and you're going to end up paying the same monthly rate because the interest rates are so higher. So nobody is going to want to sell a house that they have locked into a fixed uh, mortgage rate on and nobody really wants to buy with if they're gonna have to borrow money to do it so it's a definitely slow down there for sure without a doubt I, and i just bring it up because that is something i'm looking at on a daily basis now trying to figure out that next move for myself and it's you know it's eye-opening to experience this and then uh just those everyday costs uh they're skyrocketing for everyone and so hopefully, you know, raising rates, obviously we see that hit within our 401k that we've been seeing for the last uh, six months or so, 
maybe a little longer. Um, hopefully we get a little rebound with the inflation. Those numbers start to come down and uh, maybe cost of living goes down a little bit for us. Um, but let's uh, just kind of round out here, looking at these markets really quick. Um, get the flight to qual- the flight to quality is 100% on stocks down, gold up, bonds up, currencies are up. Um, people are on that flight to quality. So Jack, I think that segues us into this crazy topic of, uh, I want to talk about Bitcoin real quick. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk Bitcoin. Okay. Um, I have it on there because that's another thing that's been super interesting because if there is something closer to sort of a crisis going on right now, there's been a lot of the bad thing about an open ledger is people know exactly I'm calling it the great stop hunt right now only it's liquidation hunt, basically. And there's a lot of problems going on with these um, Bitcoin interest-bearing instruments that are going belly up. We've seen a few of them. There's a few more out there. And I don't see how this cannot push lower until a few more people are forced to liquidate. And um, Dan, can I share my TikTok right now? We have a multimedia presentation here. Okay. Give Give me two seconds. All right. All right. I'm ready when you are. This is some amazing stuff. I just want to play this. I think, uh, Dan, tell me if my sound is on when I play it right now. to buy a million dollar gotcha. home for half. Okay. So this is kind of uh, what has go- been going on in the past couple of months with these interest-bearing things. So it's 47 seconds from our TikTok investor here. I don't even know who this guy is, but this is pretty impressive stuff. About to buy a million dollar home for half the price. The thing is, you can only- By the way, to start, Dan, did you know you could buy- a $1.4 million house for half the price. Well, the only reason I do is because you told me about this the other day. Well, just wait and <laughs> see how. Do this if you know how to utilize cryptocurrency. So this is the house that I'm gonna buy and it costs about 1.4 million. So I'll have to pay around seven grand a month. But for this entire house, the total that I need to pay is 740K. And it's because of crypto. For the down payment, I'll have to pay about 20%, which is 200. That's good. He's paying 20% down. That's a good start. That's All right. He's sound financial some, stuff here. Some putting some equity into it. All right. Now we get to see the payoff. 190K. With the remaining 450K, I'm going to put that into the anchor protocol. Once I deposit the 450K, it'll yield me 19% per year. That's 88 grand a year. Now divide that by 12 months, and that's going to make me 7.3K a month. Just enough to cover the. So, this man. What we're seeing there. So, it sounds so easy. It does. Just put 450 grand into something that guarantees you 20% return. If only. Yeah. So you know what happened to that anchor protocol? That was the thing that went belly up. So what really would have happened there if you did this in February is you would have been double broke, basically. And when you see stuff like that, I mean, we say all the time in trading, when you see something that seems too good to be true, it probably is until it isn't. And the reason that's cliche is because them's the facts, man. No free lunch. You just can't expect to be gaining 10 or 20% interest on something unless they're taking crazy bets on the side. And that's, I mean, and I think everyone out there listening definitely understands that there's no guarantees to put your money in something to guarantee you 20%. Which, I mean, that's like, that's like um, Renaissance capital. It's like the best hedge fund of the last three decades. I know that's like Bernie Madoff stuff right there. Yeah. It worked till it didn't. You know, it's like your statement. See, we're doing it. We're doing it. Now you're just bringing in more people's money and then spending it. So that collapsed. And apparently you can go around there. I'm interested as we're getting down to these levels here in Bitcoin. 
I'm not in Bitcoin, full disclosure, right? Is it is interesting we're reaching that area between we're reaching that December 2017 peak. And I, that area between 20,000 and 14,000 is the area between the uh, 17, 2017 December peak and the July 2019 peak. That could be interesting. But the one thing I would stress upon everyone out there is that if it starts going below that 20, there's just going to be cascading. I, I think it'll go to 10 at least. So at that point. right before um, CME came out with the Bitcoin contract, Bitcoin was trading about 20,000. That was the first chance for people to hedge. So 20,000 was the peak before the big break we saw a few years back. So that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. We're finding a little bit of shelf at 20,000. I think if we see something start to dip below that, we may see this race to the downside a little bit. Remember, everyone can hedge it now. There is accessibility to this because they created the micro contract. So you, if you do have outright Bitcoin, you can get yourself a little bit of hedge, whether it's the micro or if you have enough capital, you can trade the, the standard size Bitcoin. So you can create a little bit of hedge for yourself to create some protection. But you got to think about it. A lot of people started getting into Bitcoin because everyone was calling $100,000 a coin. So everyone believed that there was a really good opportunity for this upside potential in that market to really start to press higher and higher and keep stepping up. So I know a ton of people, it was like every paycheck they got, hey, I'm taking 10% of that, I'm buying Bitcoin. And I know for a fact, there's a lot of people hurting. I will say for all transparency's sake, I do have myself a little bit of Bitcoin. Um, I'm in it about $7,500 a coin. I've had it for a very long time. Um, and it's been more or less just to sit, sit and forget and see what happens. Um, I'm not gonna say if I'm gonna get out or, or stay in because I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, but I just for transparency's sake, do have a little bit. Um, yeah. They do need to somehow convince more people to get in, though, at a certain point, because obviously a lot of paper wealth has been destroyed in this. So, well, and you look people. at Coinbase, Coinbase just had a big layoff, if I'm not mistaken. You know, their um, CEO bought, I think earlier this year or maybe last year, a $133 million house. Must be nice. You know what? I don't care for it. It doesn't. <laughs> I wonder if he paid. Um, seventy-five million dollars for that hundred and thirty-three million. Oh, house. then, then that's why they're doing layoffs. <laughs> then, he, then, he, then he's burning on both ends. <laughs> that would be incredible. But um, our, our main topic today is kind of uh, really the opposite investment. I would say of Bitcoin would be the boring old U.S. Treasury or bonds in general. And the title of the episode we're talking about where the smart money lives. Now, in fairness. I don't like the word smart money. It's a little derogatory towards retail traders, but it's kind of an industry saying. I mean, what it's really saying is that means that the bond market is overwhelmingly occupied by um, large institutions, governments, corporate treasuries, things like that. You don't have a lot of retail traders you know, YOLOing the the tenure note or something like that. It's just not the same sort of market. But it's, I think, maybe the most important market out there. I know that's a sliding thing, but it tells you so much about everything else that's going on. And especially since we're talking with all this Fed stuff and inflation, that's all about bonds. That's where you see it. So I thought today we could dive into that a little bit, Dan, if you are down. I like this topic. Okay. To start, 
just so everyone's aware, is under normal circumstances, if we're talking about U.S. Treasuries, the government issues tons of different maturities ranging, you know, everything from two years to 30 years and many things between and many things shorter as they get closer to maturity. And generally, in normal times, you'll get a higher yield the further you go out, just like your mortgage, right? The same reason that you get a better rate on a 15-year mortgage than a 30 is because the capital is locked up quicker. So you have, or sorry, is locked up for longer for the longer ones. And that means you have more exposure to future rate changes and things like that. Something you'll hear a lot is that one of the big indicators of recession, which we're in right now, is an inverted yield curve. And that means that future rates at some point in time down the curve that should be higher are actually lower than the really short-term rates. Now, the reason that's bearish is because it's all institutional investors. These are people who have their finger on the pulse, may have a lot of inside information on what they're seeing in their business or tax receipts or whatever else. And that means that they are essentially wagering that interest rates will be lower in the future than they are now. Now, since we're talking about the Fed, and sorry, Dan, this is getting a little bit like droning on, but to You're hell good. with it. Okay. You're good. Drone away, Jack. Drone All away. Right. Drone a little longer. You can use this as one of those things to go to sleep to. Anyway, if it seems the market is convinced that interest rates will be lower in the future than they are now, it means that they think the Fed is going to cut rates. And if the Fed cuts rates, they do it to combat what, Dan? Recession. Recession. So that is kind of the situation that we are in right now. And we can learn that from looking at the bond market. Now, Dan, you have a lot of experience here as well. You want to tell everyone a little bit about what you used to do in the bond market? I was uh, in the 30-year treasury options pit. Um, I did everything from grabbing sandwiches for lunch and sneaking them onto the floor to hedging for a team of traders to being actually in the pit myself. Um, so been around it for a very long time, grew up in that pit. My name is Dan instead of Pat because of the bond market. I can uh, honestly say that my dad had to leave the hospital because the bond market was moving day after I was born and my mom changed the birth certificate. Yeah. So I've been around it for a little while. I actually, it's funny, Jack, I was sitting down with, um, my dad called me the other day and wanted to grab dinner. And we went out and we sat down and we chatted about bonds. We were talking about he's, he's long retired, has not been trading, hasn't really dabbled in anything. Um, he's, you know, just living the glory days at this point, playing a lot of golf and traveling, but uh, we were talking about it. And all he could say was, I wish I was trading right now because I'd be short so much premium in this as this market was breaking, because we know that they're going to be with inflation coming up. We knew rates were going to be hiked. And he's like, now all you have to do is wait for them to start talking about cutting rates again, as we enter into this recession territory, which I think this is the game the Fed is playing a little bit, preparing, giving themselves some ammo for if we get to that recession and they have to cut rates again and get money spending, they're setting themselves up. He's like, all you got to do is start to wait for them to start talking about cutting rates and boom, you can flip and roll your, roll your position from short to long the premium and you just mm-hmm. run it right back up. Yeah. Dan was on the option side. I was a treasury sp- uh, spread trader for seven years. A little bit different, but the same flavor. We traded 99.9% if we did was in the treasury markets. So this is more of our domain. I think that what I wanted to look at, I think part of the reason that inflation scares so many people is because it's 
nobody who's working today, unless you have been there forever, has really dealt with it. Going back, one of the longest trends that you will ever see in something like this, besides you know, the stock market just by nature of it, is going to continue over time to go up. So besides like the S&P 500, something that can theoretically go both ways, like the interest rates, the yield on the 10-year treasury, right? Since 1981, 40 years ago, well, last time we had huge inflation, back then in 1981, it peaked out at around 16%. Since then, without fail, over 40 years, it has gone down, 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 down until we got to basically zero several times in the last decade. And now we've been ripping higher that we're back to the highest it's been since 2018. But if it goes any higher, suddenly we're back to something we haven't seen since 2011 or 2009. If we get to 4% or something, this is stuff that hasn't happened in 20 years. So anything that's unknown is going to bring uncertainty to market. We've never really, Dan, have you ever been in, in an environment where we're worried about inflation? No. Inflation, like everyone talked about it, like, well, inflation, 2%. That's what we want to see. We want to see steady growth over years, 2%. And if your raise annually is 4%, you're making money. Um, and then I feel like in the last year and a half, it's been inflation. But I think, Jack, I think we also knew it was kind of coming. <laughs> yeah, to think, some extent. I think we had an idea. A lot of stimulus coming into the, the economy over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. There has been tons of stimulus from COVID and even before that, quantitative easing. Basically, it has just been kind of a nonstop. You always knew it had to end because we couldn't keep things around zero forever, right? Just because, well, it's what kind of happened. When you keep interest rates too low for too long, you get a lot of froth in the market. You get a lot of, I won't call out, like GameStop or something, because that's different. But you get things like, whether you believe it or not, like the valuations of Tesla or the NASDAQ that have come down so much were things that look a lot different when you're discounting them at a higher rate, right? Uh, basically, for businesses, it's your future cash flows look worse depending on what the interest rate is. If it's a super low, they look better than if the interest rates are super high because you know, there's basically the end. I have a section here that I think we should get into is like, why should retail stock index traders or commodity character traders care about this? And one I already mentioned is because whether we agree with the term smart, it is the institutional money. So if you look at the bond market, uh, there's not, I'd say, un, uh, unhinged speculation in any way the people who are in there have a pretty good idea of what they're doing and why. And then second is that as these creep higher, we've talked about Tina before, right, Dan? There is no alternative. And that's why mm -hmm. people were piling into stocks. You know, even if the S&P had a dividend of just 1.5%, if the treasuries are also, you know, if the 10-year treasury is yielding 1.5% too, he'd rather have the upside of stocks. But now- the higher they creep, you know, we're at 3.3. I'd have to look at my chart right now in the yield and the 10 year. As they start to creep higher, that yeah, starts 10, to kind of look 10 year 3.2, uh, 30 years, not too far off. So you got 3.23 in the 10 and 3.28 in the 30. Well, let's hypothetically say 
And we haven't really seen this rotation yet because right now treasuries are selling off. That's what makes the yields go higher. Um, but say hypothetically, the 10 year was at 5%. Remember when you buy a, a, a treasury from the US government, you don't pay federal income taxes on it either. So suddenly you're looking at 5% a year. That's looking pretty good when the historical S&P returns only six or seven. So suddenly there is an alternative and that sucks money that could be going into stocks. And that's another reason why the high interest rates will hurt the appreciation in the stock market. So I think that like the rates across are the thing that all traders should be looking at. And if those rates are going wild, be really careful of what you're putting on, because I think that's what kind of, uh, that's what wags the dog, so to speak. It's the, it's the interest rates, it's the bond market more so than just any thoughts about stocks or earnings or stuff like that right now. Yeah. I mean, right now we have to think about what is actually happening. And when there is concern, you're looking for growth in your money. I mean, that's number one. That's what, that's the whole goal. You know, you hear us talk about it all the time, whether you're retail trading, day trading, swing trading, looking at investment, your goal is to take what money you have and make more money. Um, and you want probability, you want locate, you want to put your money where you can see a return coming right now to buy a stock, right? Which the standard retail person is not going to be able to go out and just short the equity market or short their stock. You know, you're, you're mostly coming in, going to buy an index fund of some sorts. Like that's step one to get into this, the stock market. You're going to buy an index fund. And that right now is not a likely probability that if you buy stocks, you're going to make money. We're in a bear, we're in bear territory. We're seeing this market enter towards recession areas. And it's really hard to sit here and say, hey, I should buy this. Here's my dip. I'm going to buy it. And I'm not, I'm not one to say I'm against buying dips, but I don't know if the dip is here yet, right? We've seen it multiple times over the last five or six years where we saw a dip, which was great buying opportunity. 2020, I'm hinting at you. Great opportunity <laughs> there to buy. Uh, but when you look at these bonds, when you look at the notes, uh, and you see, hey, there's, they're paying interest on this. Like there is some sort of money I can promise I can get back. And that's what people are looking at. I mean, the best trade you could have made for long-term, like in 1981, besides the S&P 500, like you could get a better return is the best of all would be if you had bought uh, one of the 30-year bonds that was given 20% a year or something like that, right? Then you'd be getting 20% a year for uh, 30 years, right? So it does become that at some point. One last note I wanted to have before we kind of get towards the end here is that there is finally some convergence between what the market thinks future rates are going to be like and what the Fed says they are. There was a big gap there that got closed pretty drastically yesterday by uh, yesterday's report, right? So I'll be watching to see if it stays that way. If it stays that way, I think that's a good sign. If it starts creeping apart again, which will happen because uh, you, you can look up online what uh, sort of the implied market expectations are for interest rates going forward. And if those start creeping higher, I think that that is a bad sign because it'll be the Fed that plays catch up. So something to keep an eye on as you're doing this. And once again, this is why you don't trade too much during the Fed announcement or around it, right? You got to be super careful right now and kind of pick and choose. And uh, with those squeezers out there on the way down, you can't be going for the YOLO trade, even if you're on the right side short. You got to kind of have a system for if you're going to move your stops, how you're going to do that. But you can't just rely on 
even if the market's going down, you can't rely on just open up the computer, hit and sell and leave it. Right. Cause you get bounces You know, you get those pullbacks and those are things you want to look for. I do want to touch on just a couple little things here. Sure. As you think about interest rates and one of my biggest things that I like to look for in markets when trading for directional ideas is, and it, it started when I started working on the floor. I used to work, used to work with this guy, Nick. Um, he worked for my dad for like 20 years. One of the most interesting guys. And every morning we'd walk on the floor, he'd look up at the boards and he goes, Spoos are down. Let's go buy them. And that was kind of this. And I started asking him, he started teaching me about, um, uh, correlations in markets. So if the, if the spoos were down in theory, we may have a chance to buy the bonds because bonds should be rallying because they're inversely proportionate. Well, there's one more factor in here for anyone watching these interest rates, yields. If yields are down, today is a prime example. Yields were down. So you see bonds and notes taking that rally makes total sense. Those two are inversely proportional, but the yield and the equities are proportional. Uh, so it's a good opportunity to look for things. And there are other markets that are involved in this, Jack. I see your question about the gold rally. Gold falls in line with, in theory, fundamentally, not all the time. So don't take this home and say this is the holy grail. Uh, but if you have equities down and yields down, you can look for things like bonds, notes, and gold, and potentially currencies. You can find some good little opportunity for rallies in those markets. Honestly, none of those inflation holds or uh, protection things have been doing that spectacularly. And that's because the dollar is super strong right now, which, I mean, if you want to enjoy that, I just got back from Ireland and the euro is at 107 or something like that. I remember when I went when I was in college, it was like 150 or 160 or something like that. So screaming deals if you go elsewhere. But that's why you see the uh, gold not flying up on this inflation stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's some opportunity out there. Just be careful. Oh, yeah, always opportunities, but you will never get a chance to do them unless you're careful, right? You'll, or, you know, you'll just flame out and, we don't want to see that. No one wants to see that. So not at all. Dan, I think that's a good place to leave it today. Hopefully I, I feel like I came in here today, uh, like that scene in the airplane where the guy's sniffing glue. Like I, I feel like my hair should be in the, like the Hogue thing up there, but it's too wiry. I feel like how I look right now doesn't, doesn't show how uh, kind of off the walls this market was today. So <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's just take it day by day. Like, I know people love the idea of holding positions where you got margins are up. You don't know where it's going. You wake up, you go to sleep and stop, bot stocks are up and you're looking strong and you wake up and they're down almost 4%. You know, NQ right now down 3.8% on the day with this little end of day rally coming in. So you got a lot of things happening. We're approaching 10,000, we're a thousand points away from 10,000 in the NASDAQ. You get the Dow dipping below 30 today after being sold off 700 points. There's a lot happening. It was a whole lot more fun the last time we crossed 10,000. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's it for today. Um, check us out next week. We got morning forecast 745 on YouTube. Make Hogue Money on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 820. Hint, hint. We might be moving that to YouTube very soon, and I can't wait. I think it's a lot easier than the zoom stuff so we'll see you then stay safe everyone out there namaste and trade well
The Limit Up Podcast is a presentation of Top Step Trader. <laughs> I'm watching a baby eat right now. Let's just leave it there. Visit us at topstep.com if you want to learn more. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Rate and review on iTunes and all that good stuff. See you later, y'all.